Kia ora e te iu, i nei mā hoki mai to Under the Whāraki, I'm Tahu. And I'm Anatola, and on today's episode we're talking about men's mental health, and we have an amazing guest with us today who is um, zooming in, so it's, yep. you're going to find yeah, us kind of angry. looking at a computer, looking at you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get him to introduce himself, so we'll pass it over to Tai. Uh, yeah, uh, Taloflava, my lola was so for more, my lani mama, uh, Kirakoto, called Taitupo Tukuingo, no Tabaki Makoto, Mengati Hamua, Aho, Tinakoto, Tinakoto, Tina, Tato, Katoa. Tina, Kuma, right? What do you get up to, right? What's your specialty in men's mental health? Why are you there? Yeah, what are you doing? What, yeah. who, who are you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been working in uh, or advocating and, and working in mental health uh, coming up to 10 years now. Um, my, my previous uh, role is uh, I worked for uh, I Am Hope and I travelled all over New Zealand, um, spoke to uh, close to 200,000 uh, uh, young uh, rangatahi up and down New Zealand oh, yeah. uh, and also in communities uh, as well as uh, businesses as well. So. Uh, I guess I'd say I'm some kind of um, speaker or uh, advocate for for me, uh, mental health, and, and now I've kind of shifted uh, my focus uh, specifically into the men's uh, space as well. Massive. Me. Have you always been? Nah, nah, nah I'm, I'm trying to carry on the conversation. I'm about to go into public speaking. Never mind, never mind. We've got to do our icebreaker first. We can get into first. that later. Yeah, we can we'll get, get into, into that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, icebreaker. So the game is yeah, nah, nah, yeah. And pretty much how it works is that I say a statement and you're either a yeah, na or you're a na yeah. Okay? Yeah, sweet. Cool. All right, the statement is double dipping your chips. Thoughts, <coughs> Ty? That's a yeah, na for me. Yeah, nice, no. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, that, that's just gross. <laughs> 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 yeah. How about you? That's just straight gross, yeah. <laughs> I feel kind of attacked a little bit, because I'm a nah, yeah. You're a nah, yeah? I'm a hell yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm 100% a double dipper. I'm like, yeah. I can't get enough of the dip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just like one little dip of, of a chip is just not enough for me. I need, is it I need circumstances, it. or you don't care if it's the middle of the... Oh, of I the... mean, like, if I'm, like sharing it with like family like it's fine but i mean if i'm like at a place and it's like you know like if it's like if i'm at an event or something and i don't know everyone <laughs> so it has to be business obviously that you wouldn't. i'm gonna like get a whole chunk of dip and put it on my plate and then go from there but if it's fun i'm like yeah yeah all good yeah, yeah. I'm a, do you mean like do you mean like dip it and eat it and then like bite it and then dip, dip it, again. it again yeah but you know what you do is you turn it around no, that's gross. you can turn it around but you don't <laughs> You don't turn it around. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, nah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just love, like, sauce is oh. to me, and the dips is oh. the actual bit I'm eating the chips exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah, so I like dip it in there. Um, another one, nah. Put a fingers here, nah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Need more. I need more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. Well, maybe more dip, more yeah. dip, more yeah. dip. That's that's really what we were saying is we need more dip. Yeah. In general, yeah, more sauce. Or my own dip. Your own dip. Yeah, or maybe carry your own little. Yeah. Okay. We can we can get carried away with this icebreaker. <laughs> we're like trying to justify our answers. <laughs> and look, judgment is always allowed in yeah. this space. Um, but if oh, we're looking at an outlier, it's you. <laughs> <in this situation. laughs> um, 
yeah, so now we know. Yeah. yeah. So if you go to this event, don't feel wrong for dipping your fingers in everybody's chips every minute. All good. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, so we're gonna jump into the pop quiz. So Tahu and I have a little whiteboard, um, and this is just a chance for you to ask us questions and kind of test our knowledge, which is always really good to like do before the the little chat because mm. it kind of like grasps what we already know and what we most likely don't know. Mm. So cool. You got your questions ready, Tahu? Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, so, number one, uh, what proportion of men will experience a major depressive episode in their lifetime? Mm. What? Say, say that again, sorry, Ty? So, so, what proportion of men will experience a major depressive episode in their lifetime? Mm. Oh, heck. What percentage? Okay. Proportion. One in something. Oh, what proportion? Sorry. Percentage. Okay. Yeah. What proportion? Big word, eh? Yeah, it's too big for me. Okay. Oh, you know, these ones are like always like, am I going too low, too high? Look, I don't know, so we're just going to guess. One and two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I could have picked between one and two and one and three. One and in between two and three, okay, is what it is. What the hell? One and three is my answer, Ty. No, I'll stick with one and two. Um, it, it's what it's actually one and eight. So, oh. um, yeah. Okay. So no, nice try, guys. Uh, oh, no, no tip for you guys. That's good though. Yeah, that's good. It was worse, worse than what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. But do you think that's accurate? Uh, sorry. Do you think that's accurate? Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty tricky these days because yeah, I, I mean, I scale. I talk to men every day that are. That aren't doing too well, so um, yeah, I I think it's it could be a little bit lower than that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. Sweet. Second question. Um, no, number two. Uh, true or false? Uh, suicide is the leading cause of death for men aged fifteen to thirty in New Zealand. Yeah. Right. True. True. Yep. 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 Nice. Nice work. So true. Uh, number three in New Zealand, what percentage of suicides are men? Oh, what per what percentage of suicides are men? Fifty-eight percent. Seventy percent. Seventy. Yeah. I said fifty-eight. Yep, yep. Uh, it's it's 72%. So that's oh. like uh, every year we lose 400 men to suicide in this country. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. And it's, it's, been, it's been consistent for a long time. Yeah. Well, what, what's the, the what's the factor why it's so much more men? And what... um, I mean, there, there's so many factors, but um, from, from my own personal experience, uh, it, in, in that age bracket, it's consistent to do with like relationships. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, like, let's just say, for example, like uh, some dude, he's um, been with his, uh, his missus since they were 16, 17. Um, and, you know, they, they get into their mid to late 20s and she gets up and leaves one day. Um, that's all he's ever known, um, you know, is her. And so I think for a lot of men, as we invest a lot of um, energy wider into um, others, like for example, into our relationships, i.e., females, 
and we don't invest anything into ourselves. Mm. And so it's only natural for a lot of men, and, and we're seeing a lot of it now, uh, you know, in the 40s to 50s. Um, they wake up, they've got everything that they dreamed of, they've got everything they um, aspire to, to chase, and um, they're still waking up so empty. And mm. a lot of it's because, like I said to you guys earlier, um, we invest so much into others that we don't actually put anything into ourselves. Um, because, you know, we're so focused on, you know, making sure that everyone around us is, is safe. Um, and then obviously on the other uh, end of the spectrum, it's, um, you know, a lot of dudes, uh, you know, didn't have a father figure in their lives and um, they don't know how to navigate a lot of what they're going through. And, and also because society has created the space where, uh, you know, they've told men that they're only purpose in life is to be a provider and a protector so mm. you know as we found during COVID and you know a lot of men were getting laid off mahi and um you know we started seeing things um unprecedented things uh simply because you know you you stop a man from being able to protect his family you stop him from being able to provide you know they they just think well wh why am i even here like what you know, I can't even do that, which is my sole purpose in life. Mm. You know, what, what what's left for me to do now? You know, so um, for a lot of men, it's um, navigating that, that inner critic um, inside of their heads, you know, we, um, that voice that's constantly beating them up. And, you know, if, if you're not earning enough, um, you know, if we, we spend so much time catering to our families um, that, you know, we, we don't put any enough time into ourselves and that's why I guess we end up in that space and we go into that dialogue in, in our own heads and um, we convince ourselves that we're not worthy. So, yeah, mm. that's just a small kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful answer, but is there any more questions? No. Uh, yeah, this last one is um, true or false. Okay, we'll circle uh, back to that. Higher cool. rates of depression. Sorry, say that again, Ty. Uh, true or false, men report higher rates of depression. Oh, um, higher rates of depression. Oh, I went with false too. Oh, yeah, I said false. Oh, yeah, yeah that's cool. That's right, yeah. Mm. I thought because maybe they don't like to report it. Mm. Maybe is yeah. a factor. Yeah. Um, go back to your, your call before, bro, about like just those dynamics of being a Tani and having that, that sense of responsibility as the protector and provider. Um, it, it's also hard um, with cultural narratives, I find. Um, especially for us as Māori, um, and my family in particular, our women are our, um, are our big dogs. And um, especially in my family where our women are our strongest, um, they've encouraged our women as the breadwinners and um, my dad's pretty much... If I look at my dad's life, um, all he's done is, is follow... Um, the dreams of my mum and put her forward so she can do everything she's ever wanted to do. Mm. And he's a, he's a happy-go-lucky mm. fella, but um, 
talk you talking about that like where they just sacrifice um their own inhibitions and their own um you know whatever they want to do um to have our wahine or, or just not themselves um as the star of the show is something we see a lot and it's something i've grown up seeing um i think i'm a lot more selfish than my <laughs> Way more selfish than my old fella. I put myself first the whole way, probably because he's put me first. Um, but yeah, that's that's really interesting. That that's a that's a thing because we don't even notice it that they're always taking the step back and saying, "Here, you guys go." Yeah, yeah. I think like culturally. Uh, you know, the biggest battle we have is, you know, we have a hierarchy system, you know, where mm. obviously we have our elders and then we have our older siblings. Mm. And I mean, for someone like me, um, you know, out of in that hierarchy system, I ranked, you know, right, right at the bottom. Mm. And, you know, the you, you kind of grow up in this uh, world where you, you can only kind of practice what you see or you only speak when you're spoken to. So it's only natural for us in a, in a cultural sense that, you know, when we move into a, I guess, a mainstream world or try and get into a space where we think that we can, uh, you know, you know, prove ourselves or, or whatever it is that we do, uh, you know, it gets tough for us because, you know, we're, we're not getting a seat at the table at a young age. We're mm. not uh, encouraged to conversate. We're not, you know, we're not taught how to communicate at a young age and I guess, you know, like, if you think about it, um, the biggest problem in mental health today is an overactive inner critic. It's the conversations you have with yourself when, when no one's um, around, um, when no one's talking. It's, um, and that occupies a lot of the space internally. Mm. So if we don't know how to navigate a lot of those conversations inside of ourselves, you, you get to a place where you start believing it. And, uh, you know, I guess for, for a lot of men or, and people in general, we spend, we spend more time in our heads than anywhere else. We talk to ourselves more than we talk to other people. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's so basic, but the reality is, is for a lot of men, uh, we, we don't learn these skills until like, you know, our late twenties, thirties, and by then the trail of destruction that we've left or created, um, you know, and, and then society doesn't kind of give us, you know, the, the, the right end of the stick as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's a tricky world for, for, for Tani to, to, you know, kind of navigate because you, you've got so much to say in your head, but whether you say it or not, is it's two different things. So the, we have all these conversations in our heads, but we just don't, you know, portray it, you know, and you're probably been in a situation where, um, you know, if you've been in a relationship where your missus will be like, what's going on in your head? Like what, you know, or asking you questions mm. and it's just a straight blank. And for a lot of men, they just kind of shut that down and then they just walk away and don't engage because they want to say what's in their head, but, they don't have the tools to process it in a way where someone's going to understand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, 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 my dad is like, 
he's a hard man. He's um he's like a he's Tongan. He's Christian. He's a military man, and he really struggles to communicate his mm. his feelings and his emotions. And now I see, and he he grew, he grew up in a time in Aotearoa where you know when Pacifica were migrating from from the islands, you know, going through some really traumatic experiences with you know, growing up and dealing with police and whatnot. And I found now that he's an adult, he is now, that's all coming to the surface because mm. of how many years he's suppressed it. And trying to support someone who doesn't know how to communicate or even understand his emotions is really difficult, especially when he's like a grown, he's, 50, he's in his 50s, you know? So like, do you find that a lot of mm. people um, that are struggling, like men, so, you know, we're talking about men, like men who struggle, do you find that that is often projected into really like negative behavior towards other people when they can't really find words to communicate, to communicate. To communi yeah like are there negative ways that that kind of gets projected out yeah. yeah like i mean you know it's it's pretty evident that um men um you we, we struggle a lot in that department in terms of um you know uh communicating exactly where we're at you know because we a lot of times we we just don't want the drama you mm. know and we 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 one don't want to bring our families down or we don't want to be the down buzz in our families so for a long time we just push through and um you know we just try and navigate through a lot of that but i guess on the flip side of that um you know that's where things like drugs and alcohol uh, become a big factor and i mean society sees drugs and alcohol as a problem but um, you know, for someone like myself, uh, I see it as a solution or I did see it as a solution and so do many other people, right. you know, because what, what it does is it shuts down, you know, that inner critic yeah. inside of your, inside of your head, well, um, for a moment nicer. in time, you know, it might yeah. be for an evening. Um, and then what happens is, um, obviously you get on this buzz and, you know, you get on this high and you try and maintain it for as long as you can, because, you know, it feels so good, but I guess the the reality is, is when you do come down from that high, um, that inner critic's way louder now. Mm. You know, and it's bashing you up more than more than it was before. That voice is a whole lot louder. So, um, but I guess what we're not um, really also promoting is the fact that um, you know, in in our society, we're always telling people that if they're struggling, they have to reach out. But the reality is, it's like, I mean, from my own personal experiences, um, you know, when, when I've struggled in, in the past, I didn't even want to get out of bed. Mm. So um, if you're telling me to, um, when I'm struggling, I had to do all the work to come to you guys to then feel sorry for me and then, and then give me the wrong answers to what I'm trying to get to, um, you know, it's completely like, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense why we promote mm. that so much. But the reality is, is like, if you know your people, you know when they're gone down. Mm. Yeah. They go quiet, they isolate themselves, um, you don't hear from them. And and the best thing you can do in that moment is check in. You know, you can, um, you can, you know, break that awkwardness by turning up to their doorstep, um, you know, banging on the door, turning up. And, and the reality is, is, um, for, for people that are struggling, uh, they don't want someone to turn up with all the answers. They, 
they don't want someone to feel sorry for them. All they want is for someone just to be there. Yeah. And if you've ever been in that situation where you've had to support someone, um, you know, we always think it's our job to fix people. You know, we want to take the pain away from them or the struggle away from them. But the reality is, is it's not our job to fix people. The only job we have is to give them unconditional love and support. Mm. You know, and, and what does that look like? It looks like turning up, knocking on the door, you know, just being there. And hey, like what whatever works for them is, is what works for them. And, you know, for some people, they go on a bit of a journey, you know, where things happen that society will tell them that they shouldn't do that. But the reality is, is, hey, if you can stick it out with them on that journey, hopefully along the journey, you can start showing them different things that might be able to um, help them get back on a, you know, um, on a better path, you know, instead of drinking, maybe go to the gym or, or whatever, you know, whatever works best for them. Massive. Yeah, hard out. I feel like that's so important for people to know, eh? And I feel like um, what you're talking about is really like finding safe ways for people to really express that. And like what you said is like really presence is all that people need is visibility of someone being available yeah. with them and, and allowing them to say, you, you don't need to fix everyone's issues, you I know? Love that. And I, I love, love that. Yeah. I love that you talked about, you know your people, eh? Yeah. And like, you know, I know when my boys are down, like, because... Mm we've got real active communication so if if one of them aren't coming to golf this weekend then i'll be like the fuck fuck's wrong with you what's going on yeah not in like it's <laughs> not like what's wrong with you but like it would it would throw me off because i would know something had to have happened yeah um and those are the times hey it's easy to be there in the good times but hard to be there when it's in, when it's not so you know sunshine and rainbow but that's out. the most crucial time to be there, which I think is a cool, cool yeah. thing you've mentioned, bro. Yeah. What are some tools mm. you've um, you've come to learn to help you deal with those hard times, bro? Mm. When people aren't knocking on the door and it's just you and you don't want to get out of bed. Uh, like honestly, for me, man, like it's it sounds pretty cliche, but it's it's routine, man. Like. Mm. Um, you know, you you got to know your own routine, and you got to know what makes you feel good. Mm. Uh, because, you know, what what makes me feel good, it could be completely different to what makes anyone else feel good. Like so, for me, um, I believe, you know, where we've got it wrong in mental health is, you know, we focus so much on the struggle and recovery, but we don't actually focus on the staying well part. You know, the main mm. maintenance part. You know, because sure. we all fall over. Mm. We, you know, shit. You know, the, the number one rule of mental health is nobody's actually got their shit together, no. you know, and the sooner we realize that and the sooner that we um, understand that, um, we can actually just get on with life and start living. Mm. Um, but, but once we work through our things and once we recover, it's like anything. Like, you know, if, if you stop going to the gym, it's going to go the other way. You know, if you get sick and you don't go to the doctor, then it's going to get worse. Mm. You know, it's the same thing for mental health. Like, you know, for, for me, I've done a lot of therapy in, in my time. And for me, the most important thing is, is that I maintain that to a specific level, you know, whether it's once a month or once every six weeks, because there's going to be things going on in my head that people won't be able to understand or navigate. You know, like I can't talk to my partner about certain things and I can't talk to my boys about certain things. But, you know, I can go to this 
therapist and dump all my shit there and walk away and feel absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, on top of that, um, you know, there's, there's three things that I do to maintain my mental health. One is I go to the gym every day. Um, and no, it's not because I want to get big guns or anything like that. <laughs> it's it's because it makes me feel good, nice. you know. And um, and on the back of that, um, number two, um, I go to the barbers every week nice. and I get a fresh fade. And um, Why? Because it makes me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> you nice. know, it's 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 just it's a feeling and you know um females if you've ever been to the hairdressers before and you know when you get out of that chair it's a unreal feeling once you know you've had that fade and you've had your hair done and all that sort of thing and you feel absolutely amazing so imagine if you could get that feeling in different areas of your life that help constantly give you that boost um, so that you can shine and so that you can stay on top of your mental health. And then the third thing that I do is um, I try and lift up a couple of people a day. That's like my ultimate um, oh. ambition every day. As every day, no matter um, who I come across, I just try and encourage people, uh, you know, whether it's online or whether it's in real life. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, we have so many people discouraging people. We have so much hate. Mm. We have so much all of this. But, you know, imagine if we just went out there and we just told people that we care about, that we actually care. Um, we tell people that we genuinely love them and that we're actually proud of people because the reality is, is most dudes I talk to, the number one thing they want to hear is that they're told that someone's proud of them. Yeah, and nice. honestly, we don't ask for much. And... You know, for anyone that's listening out there and, you know, you want to pick up your dad or, or your son or, or your partner, honestly, just let them know that you're proud of them because nobody tells them these things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. I um, I love the mahi that um, She's Not Your Rehab are doing with Matt Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with Matt Brown's mahi. Do you know Matt Brown? Yep. Um, he created this yep. amazing slogan called She's Not Your Rehab. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, and he does some incredible work. Shout out to, shout out to the crew, Sarah and Matt over at um, She's Not Your Rehab. They're amazing. Um, and they go over to, they do, do mahi in the prisons and they go and do community stuff and he has his own barbershop as well. And I love how Tane and like, talk about the barbershop experience mm -hmm. and like you know like that's a place where you get to share and talk things yeah, through and it's like a really yeah wananga there and it's like a really safe space where where were the safe spaces for you growing up like um around mental health like was that even a thing you knew and but where was the place that now you can look back and be like oh that's where i got that from um like like to be honest like i didn't know what mental health was until i was about 22 years old mm. like wow. um you know, I grew up in a culture um, where, you know, you don't have these kind of conversations. You don't have dinner and then, um, you know, you start talking about mental health. And like for me, when I was growing up, everything was physical health. And uh, for me, like I, I fell in love with training. Um, it was my ultimate escape. Like I connected with training, um, you know, when I first lay down on that bench and thought I, you know, could pump my my little chest as a 15 year old and um you know just i guess what you get from training um and i guess i've always maintained that uh you know there, there's been different people along my journey that um have been there uh but i guess for me the the major thing has always been uh kind of 
you know, having different people along the way, like whether it's online, like I, I, I used to look up to a lot of, uh, you know, coaches and, and speakers when I was growing up and I used to just tune into them because the reality is, it's like, I didn't grow up in an era where, you know, you, you go start yarning to the boys about these things that are going in your head and you, you, you just feel trapped and you feel like you're yeah. the only one going through a lot of these things. Mm. And so you kind of just, you know, you, you muck around in your own world. And I, I think know. it wasn't until I was 22, you know, and, and I had my first major breakdown that I realized that she's like, this thing is like unreal. And, you know, and I started talking about it, but that was only after, you know, when I was 26, 27, when, uh, one day I was at work and, um, you know, I ran into some random dude, um, you know, and he used to annoy the hell out of me. And the reason why he used to annoy me was because he was happy all the time, mm. you know, and for someone that's depressed, you know, <laughs> um, and questioning, you know, um, their place on the surf, like, you know, there's nothing that winds you up, you know, so much than seeing someone so happy all the time. Mm. And I went up to him one day and I just said, Hey man, like, why are you always happy all the time? It's so annoying. Like, just get lost, you know? <laughs> like, get out of here. And, um, yeah, and then I guess uh, from that little experience, um, this dude, he obviously knew that I was um, not having a good time and um, I wasn't sweet in myself. And um, he kind of took me under his wing and he just promised me that he'll always have my back and um, that he'll help me get through a lot of the things that I was going through because... Like I, I had absolutely no one to talk to and I guess it, it wasn't until kind of then that, that things kind of, you know, progressed for me. But yeah, I, I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is just finding what, what makes you feel good and what makes you happy and trying to grind it out with those things for, for as much as you can until you can pick up other tools along the way because, you know, every, everyone has different things that work mm. for them. What a beautiful and fortunate story, my man, to mm. find, find you a mentor like that. I think um, another misconception is around mental health is that it's not all right to be sad. Yeah. I think something that um, we need to, like, as well as all your information you've been giving us, is, is teaching people how to actually be sad. Yeah. And that it's okay to recognise. Yeah. Recognise your depression, recognise um, where you are at the time. Mm. And another cool thing you mentioned is around the maintenance, eh, that mm. it's a, it's a never-ending um, process around the barber shop. Around, not that I go barbers, obviously, as you can see, but um, around maintenance. It's, it's not just a pool, here you go, everything's fixed, start mm. again. Uh, but yeah, I, for me growing up, um, when we got into... I, I like to look at this. I went through a big depression state as well, bro, um, coming out of school. And um, for about two and a half, three years um, of gambling, all the stuff, gambled away all my money, um, went into a real dark space and couldn't speak to anyone about it because I just felt like nobody cared or nobody wanted to hear um, my story. But now looking back at it, realising how... Um, unaware I was that it was actually depression eating me mm. and it was actually I was stuck in what I like to describe it as as tepo like I was stuck there 
and tepo for Māori just being the darkness, the night, the the sadness. Um, and if I had recognised I was there, um, maybe I would have found a way out. But I just kept digging and digging my way deeper and deeper mm. into this um, into this darkness that eventually it snapped, and I had the breaking point, um, and I was on the side of the road spewing, spewing and spewing and I called my parents and um, it was from my gambling addiction, from my gambling problem. I had gambled away all my money, like $20,000 that year and um, I had won $10,000 on this race and I had betted it all away the same day. Shit. Yeah, and nobody knew I was gambling, nobody knew I was doing any of this shit and um, I think I was just a boy that got pushed into a man's world too fast. Mm. Um, and when my dad, I called my dad and I was like, I've been gambling, um, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what else to do because this is it, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over the, being my place in the world, you know, I'm fucking over it. I do nothing, I suck at everything, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Um, and my dad and mum both dropped tools straight to me and came straight up. Um, seen me in Auckland, um, got me out of Auckland actually at the time because I moved back to home and I didn't realise that they were just on the side of the phone, mm. you know, like they were ready any time for me to call and say I'm yeah. having some issues. Um, and it is that reaching out where like you don't want to reach out and those times because I, I keep, you keep putting yourself there. I, well, I kept putting myself there. So I felt like I should get myself out before I should reach out to anyone else. Um, but yeah, that, that, was a, that was a place where I, I really, now coming through it and seeing the light, but also knowing the darkness, when I go back to the darkness, I can now recognise I'm there mm. and I'm comfortable um, with being there for a little bit. Like right, if right. I don't want to get out of bed, then I'm just like, well, it's all right if I don't today. Yeah. But knowing that's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. How did how did you how did you what are those stories like that that have made you um, stick with this mahi, bro? Because I, I imagine it's heavy, heavy mahi, and you hear this shit every day, eh? Um, yeah, man. Like, uh, I guess for me, like, um, you know, I, I can only really talk about my own experiences and and the things um, that had happened along along my own journey and, and thank you for sharing man you know that's that's a pretty um powerful testimony and yeah. you know it's a credit to obviously your whanau and that that mm. you know that you're still here and um for me i i think it's it's for the it's for the men um and the young people that are on the other spectrum that that don't have that person mm. they don't have that phone call away or um you know they don't have that support network because they've burnt every bridge possible mm. you know wow. and i guess you know for for me like I, I burnt a lot of bridges you know when i was going through a lot of my stuff and um you know this dude that um that i told you earlier about um you know he's he was just a random dude and um i you know i just i think i was just in a state of mind that um, you know, I was mad at the world. I was mad at everything. Um, kind of what happened was when I was 22, I found out that my dad, he wasn't my real dad. And, um, that kind of set me, um, overboard, mm. uh, because my whole life, um, like a lot of men growing up, um, your biggest idol is your dad. 
And mm. um, for me, I, I wanted to be like my dad. Um, you know, he, he was the hardest worker in the room. Um, he never stopped working. He'd go to work, he'd come home, he'd be working. Mm. And um, for me, like, all I ever wanted from my dad was that pat on the back, you know, for him to say that he was proud of me and that he appreciated me and, and you know, that he loved me. And the, the reality is for a lot of young men is you don't get that um, mm. because, like, you know, men just are weird like that. You know, they mm. think that they don't have to say these things and um, verbalize these things. But, man, it's it's super important. And I guess for me, I uh, I didn't realize but my whole life I was chasing um, that from my from my old man. And I guess, you know, I chased that through footy and I thought, you know, if I become a footy player, like, you know, he'll be proud mm. and I'll finally get that, you know, that pat on the back. And um, I did that and, um, you know, still didn't come and, um, yeah, and then I guess I went on this whirlwind journey and then, you know, I, I um, you know, got into a really bad place and this dude, um, he ended up saving my life just by simply, um, the first thing he said to me was, um, he said, man, like, I don't know what you're going through. Um, you know, I have absolutely no idea, but I promise you, um, I got your back. Like, whatever you need, I got you. Mm. And um, I guess for me, like, I never had anyone say that to me ever ever before in my whole life and I never believed that anyone actually cared or, or had my back and um you know and he, then he set me up to catch up for a coffee and um I went and had a coffee with him at this place in Mount Eden and uh, you know I'm walking into this place and it's a cafe and I've never been to a cafe before you know it's my first time you know mm. I I grew up out west you know in the hood and um you know, you don't go out and have eggs Benedict, you know, every now and then. And it was, you just, we just couldn't afford it, you know. We just, we grew up in the housing and, you know, I just didn't know this life. So, um, yeah, and then I, I went to this cafe and caught up with him and um, I was like, hey, man, like, what is this place? Like, this is pretty flash, you know, like, this is fancy. And um, and it was in Mount Eden. This would have been like, you know, 15 years ago. So that was pretty fancy back then. And, um yeah, I didn't realize it was a church. Uh, he was like, oh, it's a church. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to church. I've been going to church my whole life. You know, <laughs> like, I'm Samoan. Like, you get a hiding to go to church every Sunday, you know, like, yeah. as a kid, you know. And um, he just said, oh, no, nah, man, I, I didn't bring you here for church. And I said, oh, what are you up to? Like, you know, I thought you said you're going to help me out. He was just like, oh, no, nah, man, like, I'm here at our church. We've got these people there. They're called counselors. And, um, you know, these people that can actually help you because I'm not actually qualified to help you, you know. Um, I, I'm just here. i got your back and this is the best thing I can, you know, advise for you. Mm. And I guess for, for me, I kind of declined it initially because, like, back then I had a huge ego and um, pride and, and things like that. And he ended up convincing me to do it. And um, I ended up doing therapy for, like, um, 18 months, man. And um, it saved my life. This dude saved my life. And, um, just last year, he sold his um, company um, that he started for a billion dollars in the States, this dude. Um, you know, and it's just crazy to think that this dude saved my life. He, you know, at the time, he's a multimillionaire. He, he didn't have to, you know, talk to me. He didn't have to help me. But everything he said, he, he came through on. You know, he said he'll have my back. He said, 
that he'll always be there and he turned up when things got ugly and he picked me up from places where, you know, he probably shouldn't have, but he just kept showing up. And I guess, you know, going back to your, your question is that um, for me, it was, I guess it was his drive to, um, and his promise to me that he said, man, one day you're going to make it and, um, you know, and you're going to go on to, um, you know, transform like thousands of people's lives. And he goes, man, so, you know, if this is my good deed to the world, then, you know, so be it. And, um, and yeah, and, and I guess for me, my mission is to, um, you know, to, to uplift people. Uh, um, you know, I'm in the hope selling business, you know, so, um, it, it, it's all about hope. And, you know, I, I think for me, that was my last chance. And this dude came along and he pulled me up out of nothing when he didn't have to, you know, he could have when it made some more millions. Uh, um, but, you know, he, he turned up and I mean, all I can do is encourage people every day to just turn up for your people. You know, like if you're, if you're like on top of the world right now, uh, make sure you turn up for your people because you know, you're, you're on that buzz. And so you've got, you've got a lot to give. Um, because, you know, we, we always wait until it's too late. And then, you know, we're, we're up there on the, on the, on the pulpit, you know, telling these testimonies about how amazing someone's life was and, you know, like day ones and all these cool things, you know, how, how much you loved them, them and how, how proud you were of them, how much you appreciated them. But the reality is, is you could have told them before they, they did mm. what they did and, you probably could have saved them. So honestly, every day we could go out and actually save our people simply by picking up the phone or sending them a message on, you know, their Insta stories or whatever it is. Like we can spend so much time online and actually uplift absolutely nobody. Yeah, We're literally yeah, just yeah. stalking people's lives when, you know, I, I jump on every morning. Um, after I come back from the gym, I spend like 10, 15 minutes and, you know, I, I watch like a few stories and, and I try and send a message to every person that, sure. you know, like it's always different people, but you know, I'm always just say, Hey man, like so cool what you're doing, like proud of you. And, you know, just constantly just uplifting and because man, we, we live in a world that's constantly discouraging people. And for me, when, when I was going through everything I was going through, all I needed was someone to roll up and check in on me and, um, my family didn't, my, my boys didn't, and I just happened to run into this random dude um, who ended up saving me. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. So, and I guess the flip side to that is it wasn't until I was, I was 30 years old and I graduated from uni that my dad told me he was proud of me for the first time and mm. that he loved me. And the only reason why is because he left a little island in Samoa to come to New Zealand to give us a better education and he didn't care about rugby, he didn't yeah, care about yeah. all that stuff. The only thing he cared about was that, you know, we um transformed the game, you know, and, and education for for our for our family. So um yeah, man, I had to wait thirty years and I just remember turning around and I was like, Wow, you could have told me this like fifteen years ago, bro. You know, like I would have been graduated at twenty if this was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard out. Well, um, I think that's a beautiful place. 
I, I love how we've ended there. I love that. Yeah, that's, I think that's a beautiful place to yeah. wrap. Uh, I, I love how you like we're ending on a on a note of like tell your yeah. loved ones you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. Tell Just them anyone uplift. Yeah, uplift and like always hold space for each other and like always try to speak in a way that's like honoring of their mana and of who they are. Like I yeah. love that so much and I think that's a beautiful way to end this podcast um, or this episode, sorry, um, regarding men's mental health and hopefully people can, where can people find you? Like where, where are places that they can go to to find what your mahi is? Just like yeah, um, yeah, just just um, just online. Uh, yeah. Google uh, Uncle Google. Huh? Uh, you can look up uh, the Last Chance Project. Cool. Uh, it's on Instagram, or um, you can find me at, at Taitupo on um, most um, social media platforms. Uh, apart from TikTok, I'm still yeah, <laughs> still figuring that one out, eh? Awesome, bro. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. find you there, bro. Yeah, I'll find you there. I'm glad you. Sorry, to I know we're wrapping up. Oh my god, there's just so much to unpack. Um, around your mentor who was there for you that changed your life, um, how it's not money mm. was the thing. He didn't buy your way out of there. It's yeah. time, eh? Time and availability. Time, the most, of, the most precious thing yeah. that he could have gave. Yeah. And, and that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Just give a bit of time to someone that needs it. Today. Yeah. And thank you for this inspirational call, but yeah. you, you've done your deed of uplifting someone because yeah, I'm uplifted yeah. right now. Nice. Yeah. nice. <laughs> Feeling uplifted. And yeah. Yeah, awesome. Time. For, no? Thank you so much for being with us today in yeah. a virtual way. It's yeah. Still, thank goodness for technology. Can't we're wait gonna... to meet you, Akanohi. Yes. And thank you for your mahi, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. So we're going to end that here. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you next episode. On Under the Park. <laughs> Kati dano. How are you doing?